Hello, 大家好，我是 Teacher Lydia， 欢迎来到国际聊天室。Hey everyone, I'm Teacher Lydia. You're listening to International Talk. 今天的来宾是来自美国和台湾的 Vivian。在今天的访谈 ，Vivian 会和我们分享他在美国长大的经验，在意大利交换的故事，还有如何面对社交焦虑症与不同文化背景怎么影响他如何看待自己的身份。Today's guest is Taiwanese American Vivian. In our conversation today, Vivian shares stories from her time in California, exchange experience in Italy, and also her struggles with mental health and how different cultural backgrounds have shaped her sense of identity. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Vivian. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the one question that everyone hates, but we have to ask: Where are you from? <laughs> so I I was born in Taiwan, born in Taipei, and I lived here until I was nine. And then after that, my family and I moved to California, and that's where I lived until around two years ago. As they would say, you're an Asian American. Yes, exactly. Chinese American. <laughs> so, which countries have you lived in other than the U.S.? So, Taiwan, the U.S., and I also lived in Italy for a year back in high school. I did exchange there. Oh, cool. We'll definitely talk about that a bit more later. Yes. And how many languages do you speak? Conversationally, I would say three: so Mandarin, English, and then Italian. How long did you learn Italian for? I barely knew any Italian <laughs> when I got there. It was insane because I went to school with other Italians to Italian high school, so everything was in Italian.、Wow. But then before that, I maybe studied Italian for six months or so. So I I couldn't understand anything. It was you were just thrown in the deep end. I was end. just thrown in the deep end, but it was good. It was good. At the end, I was understanding more. <laughs> That's so cool. And now you're basically fluent. I can speak it conversationally.、Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you speak Taiwanese? No, I wish I did. <laughs> I just realized. I think many of my interviewees who are part Taiwanese or、um, have Taiwanese parents, none of them speak Taiwanese very well. <laughs> it's hard, right? Because it's also not a written language, and you don't hear a lot in media. Yeah. So there's not a lot of outlet for you to learn unless your family speaks it. To yeah. You, right. Or like your grandparents or something. Exactly. But that's the thing, though. Actually, my grandma she doesn't really speak Mandarin that well. She speaks Taiwanese and Japanese. Oh, cool. So whenever we like try to communicate. She was always like try to start off with Mandarin,、uh-huh. but then just like slowly move <laughs> into Taiwanese, and there's just a lot of like, gesturing. So how do you、yeah. understand her?、Uh, a lot of gesturing, a lot of like repeating the same things, but it's it's a little hard. So I do I do wish that I knew Taiwanese so I can talk to her more. Yeah, it is hard to learn though. Like I don't speak Taiwanese, but like the vocabulary that I do know, I learn from TV. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the ones like Jabanga or like <laughs> Kingnea, like <laughs> you know the ones. Or all the Taiwanese curse words. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Those are all the Taiwanese that I know.、Oh. So, what did you study at university? I studied communication and linguistics. Oh, what made you choose that subject? Yeah, so I went in. I knew I wanted to do business.、So、I went in as a communication major, and then I took a class in linguistics. I didn't even plan on double majoring in it, but I just I really liked it.、Mm. I just it's just so fascinating to me. For those of us who don't really know, what exactly is linguistics? Like, <laughs> what do you study? <laughs> no one knows what it is. It's okay. <laughs> so linguistics is basically the study of all the fundamental things about languages. So、mm. a lot of people think you know we study one specific language, but the thing is we actually do. Do analysis on every language in the world. So one of the classes we had to take was phonetics, for example. 
And we had to, there's a chart called the IPA chart, the International Phonetics Alphabet chart. And it's basically all the sounds that are possible in languages. And we had to memorize every single sound. Wait, in every language? <laughs> every every language sound in, in every language. Every language. But it's actually not as much as you would think. Are there more than 100? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But it's... <laughs> Is it like the global alphabet kind of then? Kind of. The International Phonetics Alphabet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if you learn that, you can speak any language? Well, you can't, but you, for example, it's really useful for transcribing. Oh. So one of the things we had to do for a test is they would usually give us a very obscure Native American language, and they would pronounce it, and then we have to transcribe it in International Phonetics Alphabet. So this is really useful for languages that don't have a writing system, like Taiwanese, for example. Oh. So it's a lot of like language documentation. You need that in order to know how people pronounce these things. And you can actually do very interesting analysis based on this, too. It's really That's fascinating. so cool. Maybe you should do that. You should transcribe Taiwanese so we can oh write it down. God. Taiwanese <laughs> is really not good enough. I would love to. I would love to, but yeah. So that's just one part of it. But there's right. also, you know, you can also study um, morphology, which is how different parts of a word come together to form a word. And it varies based on language and also like phonology. So how different sounds come together to make one word, syntax. That's so that. cool. That's really interesting. I can, I can definitely tell you more about it afterwards. <laughs> I love talking about linguistics. <laughs> wow. I, I did not know there was so much like behind a language, you know? like Oh, my Lord. It's so, so much. And it's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of um, social implications to it, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how we speak really makes up our identity. There's this theory in linguistics where they say everything you say and everything you don't say makes up your identity. And I think wow. it's really fascinating to think about. So I'm mostly, like, very cautious about how I speak and how I come off. <laughs> Wait, I really like that way. Can you say it again? Everything you say? Everything you say and don't say makes up your identity. Wow. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to remember that. It's cool to think about. Yeah. It is. Wow. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I did not expect this question to have so, so much to it, but yeah. that's really cool. I like it. And what do you do now in Taiwan? So right now I am a freelance marketer. So I have a couple of different projects, but I never know how to really answer that question because I kind of <laughs> do a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. but marketing. And now that you're in Taiwan, what do you like to do in your free time? Um, I usually just like to spend time with my friends. So I like going to, you know, different cultural events or different exhibits. But if I'm by myself, I'm an indoors person. So a lot of times I would just like watch a lot of Netflix, read books, or I, I would do art. I always really liked art, so I always try to do something artsy. Right now I'm trying to get into embroidery. So cool. What are you trying to embroid? Embroider? <laughs> um, I'm making a soup dumpling embroidery right now. That sounds so cute. Yeah. Are you going to do multiple food pieces? <laughs> oh, that's actually a really good idea. I'm going to do a boba one next time, I think. <gasps> that's yeah. so cool. So I can do like a whole Taiwanese. Yeah. yeah. But I also have other, I also started embroidering my apron and my socks, but I still haven't finished it. It's just a lot of like half-finished projects. <laughs> Where did you learn how to do this? My friend, actually. Oh. Okay. Yeah, we just decided. That's also something I really like, just like doing things with people, you mm. know. So I started doing this with my friend. She taught me. And then I also attended an embroidery workshop. Cool. That's true. Like, it's like our journaling club. Exactly. <laughs> so we do journaling and kombucha making for yeah. the audience. Yeah. <laughs> we started many recent hobbies recently. Exactly. It's amazing. It's great. Our scobies are alive. That's a good yes. thing. <laughs> Yes. 
就是你来自哪里。Vivian 在台湾出生，住到九岁才搬去美国加州，直到两年前才搬来台湾。我问他有没有住过其他国家，他说除了台湾跟美国，也在意大利住了半年，算是在那边当交换学生。接下来问他会几种语言？以沟通来说 ，Vivian 说他会三个：英文、中文还有意大利文。我问他意大利文学多久，他说他到意大利的时候，他其实会的很少，去之前也只学了半年。可是，在意大利，他就是跟当地人一起用意大利文上课，所以其实一开始上课大部分他都听不懂，但因为这样，所以他学到了很多。我问他会不会台语。他说不会，明明说他觉得，除非你的家人会跟你讲台语，不然其实很难学，因为他没有办法阅读，也没有很多台语的媒体，所以学习的机会很少。我说我会的台语的词也都是来自电视。我问 Vivian， 他大学是读什么？他是读传播和语言学。我问他为什么当初会选择读这个？他说一开始他想学偏商科，所以选了传播。但刚好上了一堂语言学的课，然后发现他对这个很有兴趣，所以他选了两个主修。我请他解释一下语言学到底是什么。他说语言学主要是在教语言最基本的结构，他们不是学一个语言，而是在分析不同语言。例如有一堂课叫 Phonetics 发音课，他说有一个图表，里面包含全世界所有语言会出现的音，然后他们必须把它背下来。它的主要目的就是可以记录一些无法读写的语言，像是台语。除了这个，语言学也包含语言的来源，像是为什么一些音会放在一起成为一个字。他说他觉得语言学非常有趣，而且一个人如何说话可以表达这个人的个性。他说，语言学里面有一句话，就是 "Everything you say and don't say makes up your identity"， 意思就是你所说的话跟你没有说的话加在一起，就代表你的这个人的身份。我觉得这句很有趣，也提醒我们，语言无论是用说的或是肢体语言都非常重要，也不能小看语言的力量。我问 Vivian， 他现在在台湾做什么样的工作？他说现在是一位自由职业的行销人员，然后最近接了几个案子，正在进行。最后我问他工作以外的时间喜欢做些什么，他说他喜欢和朋友聚会，有时候会去看展或是参加各式各样的活动。但如果他一个人的时候，他比较喜欢一些室内活动，像是看影集啊，或是手作。最近他在学刺绣。然后很酷，他最近的作品是小笼包，感觉很可爱。我跟他说可以做一系列的台湾美食，他说下一个刚好打算做珍珠奶茶，所以也许真的可以思考一个台湾美食系列。他说是他朋友教他怎么刺绣，他很喜欢这种可以一起学习的活动。像我和 Vivian 还有另外一个朋友，最近也有在做 journaling， 就是子弹笔记，还有做康普茶，都是我们最近新学的一些休闲娱乐。现在我们比较了解 Vivian 的背景，让我们现在来更深一步的去听他的一些经验和故事。So now that we know a little bit more about you, I want to ask some more questions about your experiences. So you mentioned that you moved to the U.S. when you were nine.、Mm -hmm. What was that like going to this whole new country, being so young? And I'm not sure how your English was at the time, but yeah, what was that like? Yeah, it actually wasn't that bad in terms of language because I would go there sometimes to visit my relatives there, and also I went to an American school here in Taiwan for、mm -hmm. a little over a year before going to the U.S. So you know, my English wasn't great. 
but it was good enough that I could understand most things. Mm. I think the hardest part is really just, you know, the cultural shock and just having to adjust to a new environment. I think that was really tough for me. Do you have any examples of like specific cultural shocks that you had or things that like you saw or you were like, what is this or like food or yeah? (laughs) This is really funny. When I first moved to California, I lived in Irvine, which was in Southern California. So if you know, like the whole like Valley Girl stereotype, Uh it's not completely true. But, you know, I think my classmates, especially my female classmates, are definitely really perky. Mm -hmm. It's like if you could think about like the stereotypical Southern California girl, they're very upbeat, you know, always talk a lot. And I think coming from Taiwan, coming from Asia, it's just like it's a lot. Mm. (laughs) I was. But they're all super funny. They're all super (laughs) nice. It's just like a little overwhelming sometimes. I remember I I went to a, a choir. And then one of the girls there is like, oh, I love you or something. And I remember just being like so shocked. Even my parents don't really tell me I love you. I'm like, oh my God, what is this? They're just like a lot more vocal a and like expressive. Vocal, super expressive, mm. super upbeat, super energetic. And yeah. What was the biggest challenge, do you think, moving there? Um, honestly, I just adjusting to a new place. Yeah, because I actually grew up with really bad social anxiety. Mm. So even though, you know, I could understand most things that was going on in class, it it was just hard being in a new environment and having to move around so much. Mm. Yeah, so I, I struggled with, like, making friends for the longest time. And, yeah, I don't know. I think I was also just very insecure because I always felt like a foreigner, felt like an outsider. It's funny you say that because knowing you, you know, as your friend now, like I would never imagine that you would struggle to make friends. Like when you told me that, actually, I was so shocked. I was like, what? You struggle to make friends? But, <laughs> you know, you're so social and like, you know, you have friends. And when we met as well, I never felt that, you know, you had that anxiety. So I think it's really interesting for a lot of people who maybe also have social anxiety to realize like, oh, wow, actually, there are a lot of people who have it. We might not think have it or have had it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like everyone struggles with something too, not Mm. even just with anxiety, but just everyone has so much stuff going on that you don't know unless you talk to them about it. Yeah. What did it feel like for you when you were in the U.S. and you felt that social anxiety? What was that like? What did you feel? You know, with anxiety, I think everything just gets distorted. So a lot of my worries, you know, just attending classes was very difficult for me. So Mm. things that people find pretty easy or things that are part of their daily lives was really hard for me. So I was actually also homeschooled for a while because just like the act of going to school and having to wake up every day and you know attend classes and do homework that was just so stressful for me Mm. it's really good that your parents saw that and they were able to give you the chance to like I guess kind of take a break from all the stress of going to school and kind of still let you learn but then at home I think so I mean I think my parents are really great people and they're always been really understanding and supportive no matter what I did but I do feel like you know when it comes to anxiety there's a good middle ground like how much do you want to push yourself right because I think they kind of went the extreme end where they just <laughs> too like, nice they're way too nice right so they're just like oh you know we see you struggling so much so we're just going to protect you and keep you at home right but because of that I felt like I missed out on a lot of things growing up I feel like I didn't really have much of a childhood. And I also feel like, yeah, you know, it's just really hard to look back and feel like you didn't do anything growing up. (laughs) But I'm sure that's not true. And eventually you overcame it. So how did you overcome it? Uh, A lot of CBT, cognitive behavior therapy by myself. (laughs) Wait, you did it yourself? I never went to a therapist for a long time. How did you know what to do? 
I didn't. That's why I struggled <laughs> for it for so long. Yeah, because the thing with Asian parents too, you know, it's like even though they knew, they kind of knew I had anxiety, they never knew how to approach it or how to help me with this. Mm. So I remember I went to therapy once, and then after that, I just stopped. They just like never really made me go back again. Mm. So I I didn't really start, you know, helping myself. I'll start treating it until I was in high school. I would say, and that's only because I was able to learn more about anxiety and what it means. I think just giving it a name makes it a lot easier to combat it. How did you discover the name and all the information around it? Just online. That's really good advice too. I think if you are struggling with something, then take the time to learn more about it,、um, whatever the struggle might be. But if you can. Research it and find other people who are going through similar things. I think that can really help you to, like you said, label it and know how、mm. to better deal with it. Oh yeah, labeling is really important. But also, like you said, right, talking to people about it.、Mm. Because for the longest time, even though I knew I had anxiety, it's something that I was ashamed of. Like I wouldn't want to tell people about it.、Mm. And I think it was really when I started talking to people about it that my anxiety got a lot better. It's not、yeah. something you have to hide anymore. Right. So, exactly.、Yeah. I think it's really empowering to be vulnerable and to、mm. be honest about your faults and your weaknesses. I think that's amazing. I think you did an amazing job. Thank you. <laughs> so then, after a few years of homeschooling, then you went back to high school, and then you decided, after all that, to be super courageous and go by yourself to Italy <laughs> for an exchange. How did that happen?、Um, it was actually during my Spanish class. Yeah, and these two girls who are exchange students at my high school, they talked about their program, and I just thought it was really cool, and I just I did it. I don't know. I mean, that's really all there is to it. <laughs> You didn't feel anxious about going to a new place. Really, even no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wasn't even nervous until the night before I went. I don't know why. I think I just it didn't really hit me what it would mean to just be in a whole different country where you don't really know the language. Right. Why did you choose Italy? I actually wanted to go to Latin America. Oh. <laughs> But my my parents were worried about my safety there, so my dad was like really really pushing for Italy. So I did. I mean, on one hand, I did kind of wish that I just took that leap and just、mm. went to Latin America. But at the same time, you know, I feel like it doesn't matter where you go. I think、mm. exchange is a great experience, and I really grew a lot during that year. Yeah, I totally agree. I think exchanges are are really great experiences. You can learn so much about yourself、mm-hmm. that you can't in your own comfort zone or in your own、yeah. home. What was it like in Italy? Where where in <laughs> Italy were you? I was in the northern part of Italy. It's、okay. a very small town, so no one knows it. But <laughs> it's an hour from Venice. Oh wow! I love Venice. It's so beautiful there. Well, what did you love about Italy? I think just the fact that everywhere is so beautiful. It doesn't matter which city you go to. There's always like cobblestones and old buildings, and there's so much history everywhere too. I think that's something that's you know very different from the U.S., where it's a relatively new country. So. Especially where I grew up, everything is like very gentrified. <laughs> it's all buildings and cement. So, I think just that is really nice. But I also loved just being in the city center.、Mm-hmm. So in European countries, usually you know they have one city center and that's where everyone goes.、Mm-hmm. So I just I really like just being there. And you would always bump into your classmates and you can say hi to people and you just always just all hang out. I feel like that's also an exchange student thing too. I feel like. When you're on exchange, you have a lot more of a open mind, and all the exchange students are around doing the same kind of things, exploring, and yeah, so that's really fun. For the Taiwanese people who haven't been to Italy yet, do you think Italy it really is as beautiful as all the pictures and all the stories and what we see on TV? <laughs> 
I mean, I, that's always a hard question to answer. It's just it's always different than what you would see on TV. Mm. But I would say it's definitely worth a visit. It's definitely very beautiful, especially Southern Italy. Oh, I love Southern Italy so much. <laughs> Do you have any tips for anyone who's traveling to Italy? No. <laughs> just I, enjoy it. <laughs> I just enjoy it. I think especially if you go to, you know, the main touristy areas, most people speak English, so mm. it shouldn't be too much of a problem, but Honestly, just go and explore. Yeah. Mm, that's amazing. I think, yeah, I've only been to Italy once or twice, but, and I haven't seen a lot of it yet, but there are so many beautiful places that I still want to want to see. Oh, so. so beautiful. I really wish I could have explored the southern part more too. The south mm. by the coast, it's so nice. I was in Sardinia for a week and it was the best week, one of the best weeks of my life. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, I miss traveling. <laughs> I know. Oh, COVID. Soon, soon. So, soon. <laughs> so then after your time in Italy, you went back to the U.S. and then you went to college in California? Yes, exactly. So I went to the University of California, Santa Barbara. As someone who is not American, even though I sounded, <laughs> um, we always have a lot of stereotypes, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. about California girls and life in oh. California. Everyone's always on the beach and everything's always like very dramatic and uh -huh. is that what college life is really like <laughs> i feel like i'm such a bad person to answer this question because i'm just gonna reinforce the stereotype <laughs> in what ways are is it similar um okay well my school is very unique because it actually is right on the beach <laughs> <laughs> so that's not normal that's not normal though that's, but yours is <laughs> but mine is it's just mine is this okay. is why i feel like i'm reinforcing the stereotype of californian and high schools or colleges um but it is right by the beach it's mm -hmm. very beautiful but most schools are not by the beach most schools are not oh okay <laughs> what is different do you think to the stereotypes that we see on tv mm, i feel like everything is just exaggerated on tv so actually my school has this reputation of being a party school mm. but i think you know we are very social people but we definitely are aren't party animals, mm. I would say. Yeah, I think it's, everything is just very exaggerated. So like how we always see they're always partying and there's always social events and no one's ever studying. Like <laughs> That's not normal, right? That's not true. No, <laughs> we do work very hard, but mm. we also are very social. We also mm. like to play and have fun. <laughs> work hard play hard exactly that's our motto always a great motto especially yeah. i feel like it's very common among business students <laughs> oh yeah oh. so then after california so you were studying for three four years I don't know how three long. years three years college. i graduated a year early oh wow okay mm -hmm. Was that because you wanted to or? Really just for financial reasons. Mm. Yeah, because I paid for college by myself mm. and I was able to get a scholarship. That's amazing that you, yeah, accomplished that. That's really cool. So then after you graduated, that's when you moved back to Taiwan, right? Yes, exactly. So right around when I graduated, that's when COVID and everything hit. And I just did not want to stay in the U.S. anymore. Mm. So I came sure. back and it's been almost two years, which is crazy to think about. Time flies. Time flies. <laughs> Taiwan really just like sucks you in somehow. It does. Mm. What was it like coming back here after all those years being away and like having moved away for so long? I think it wasn't too much of an adjustment because I always would come back during like holidays, summer vacations and things like that. And, you know, grow up in the Bay Area, there are so many Asians anywhere. <laughs> so I always feel like, you know, I had this really strong tie with Taiwan, even though I didn't live there. Yeah, so I would say the biggest thing that I had to adjust to really is the work culture here. Oh, how would you describe the differences in work culture here and U.S.? just a lot longer. Working hours are a lot longer in general. So I did a really short internship at this Taiwanese company before. And I remember my colleagues would actually take naps 
at the company, and they、mm. would like watch Netflix and things like that. And I'm always very perplexed. Like, why don't you just do it at home? But I、mm. think there's just this expectation that you need to be in office for a long time and things like that,、mm. which took a while to adjust to. And I feel like I'm still not completely used to it yet. <laughs>、mm, that's true. Actually, now that you mention it, yeah, it's because working hours are really long here. But like you mentioned, they still have time to nap or like,、right. yeah, like、oh, watch TV or something. Right. I think it's just this expectation that you need to be at the company physically,、yeah. even though you're not productive the whole time. Whereas it's very different from you know Silicon Valley, San Francisco, where I grew up, where everyone is just like go 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 go. Yeah. And my colleagues are always like running around to meetings, like trying to work, and they will want to get off early if they can. Right, because、yeah. if you finish your work early, they let you leave early. Right, exactly. Especially in the startup community, right? It's always about like efficiency.、Mm. You want to try to get as much done during the day. And I think there's also a higher priority on work-life balance in the U.S. Right? People really value that. Whereas here, it's like if you have a work-life balance. It might be considered like, oh, you're not working long enough hours. Right, or it's like a you're bad not、thing. working hard enough,、yeah. which is crazy because you get the same amount of work done. Yeah. Hopefully, it's something that we can start to change in Taiwan, or people can start to as they see more. I feel like as there are more startups in Taiwan, and lots of people are starting to experience as well working life abroad,、mm-hmm. they might start to bring it back here and hopefully start changing things. Because、um, I think it's a shame people work too hard inefficiently. Exactly. So having lived in So many places, so Taiwan, the U.S., Italy, and then back in Taiwan. How do you feel that that has affected your sense of self and your identity? For a really long time, I struggled with my Taiwanese American identity, especially while I was in Italy. A lot of people didn't really understood what it meant to be Asian American.、Mm. Right, so they would always ask me questions like, "Oh, but where are you really from? Like,、mm. where are your parents from?" Or they would ask me like, "Oh, are you more Taiwanese or are you more American?" And、mm. I never really knew how to answer that question because、mm. I've always been both. Right in the U.S., I never really had to justify that. Because there are so many Asian Americans around me, so it was、mm. normal, right? People understood what it meant. Yeah, but I really I went through a whole identity crisis <laughs> while I was in Italy, and this is the thing where I'm still a little embarrassed to talk about. But I would pretend like I didn't really speak Chinese,、mm. so you could be more American. Or... Exactly, so I could be seen as more American.、Mm. So even with the other international Chinese exchange student, like I would always speak in English with them. I think it's something that's actually a lot more common than we realize, though that、mm-hmm. you. You try to adjust yourself so because you don't fit in either box. You try to adjust yourself so that you fit more in one. Because you're like, well,、mm-hmm. maybe if I do this, then I'll be more from this side. Or if I do this, I'll be more from that side. Then I won't feel so like an outsider. Exactly. So I know a lot of people who you know would not associate with other Asians when they、mm. first moved to the U.S. and things like that. Yeah, but I just feel like it's such a shame, and I feel like I didn't really start to accept my dual identity、mm. until I got to college. And I started being a lot more involved in the Asian American community. I think it's really cool though, because I think the U.S. is one of the few places, at least from my experience, where Asian American is a community. You know, it's like we don't have Asian Europeans. Like that's not a thing. You know? Yeah, it's not like a community. We would say, like for example, growing up in Holland, we had like the Taiwanese community, but we wouldn't say we were the. Asian Dutch、mm, or something like that. It's not you know? both of them. You always have to be one. Yeah,、mm. and it's like, oh, we're the Taiwanese community in Holland, but like we're not Dutch. We're not. But then again, it's really confusing. I think, and I think it's really that's something that's very unique about the U.S. There's a very big, you know, Asian American community, and、mm-hmm. people will recognize that. So, like you said, when you meet other Asian Americans or Taiwanese Americans, like they'll know what you're going through because they're like, oh yeah, I did the same thing. But Other countries don't really have that label, so I think it's really interesting that that's such a big community in the U.S. Yeah, exactly, and it goes back to what we were saying about labeling too, right?、Mm. 
So a lot of times, just having that label of Asian being Asian American helped me realize that I can be both. I don't have to choose either or. Yeah, it always reminds me whenever I talk about boxes and labels. It always reminds me of like in my university, I had one class which was like about cross cultural management,、mm-hmm. and it was about like you had to identify which things in your culture might affect your thinking. They made us take a, a test or a survey, and we had to tick which ethnicity we were. And I was like, but I have two. And they didn't have an option for two. I had to pick one. And I was like, <laughs> it's just a half of this. <laughs> yeah. And I just sat there. I remember sitting there for like a few minutes, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Do I take white? Do、yeah. I take Asian? But I'm both. I had like a yeah, a sense of like identity crisis, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And then I think I didn't fill in the survey because I was just like, I can't choose. <laughs> exactly. You can't choose. That's the point.、Right? Yeah. You're always gonna be both, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. It is. It should be at least everyone. Be. Everyone should feel that way. <laughs> Speaking of that, to help people understand a little bit more in detail what we're talking about, maybe you can give us some examples of in what ways do you feel American and what ways do you feel Taiwanese? Yeah, that is always a little hard to answer because I feel like it's always a mix of everything. There are so、mm. many factors. I would say in terms of my ideologies, I'm very American, especially growing up in California. You know, I would consider myself to be pretty liberal, but at the same time, I think I identify a lot with my Asian roots, even more so than my sister. Yeah, but I identify a lot more with Asian culture in a lot of ways. For for example, I'm always been a very conflict avoidant person.、Mm-hmm. I don't like to question authority.、Mm-hmm. I yeah, I don't like to get in fights. Um, so and I feel like that's always been more so associated with like being Asian,、mm-hmm. right? You know, being like more shy, reserved,、mm-hmm. whatever it is, like indirect and stuff, and like avo- like said, avoiding exactly, conflict. Exactly, indirect, very being sensitive <laughs> to people's feelings and things like that. So I feel like because of that, you know, I always feel a little bit out of place in the U.S.、Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, you know, in class, teachers always want people to participate, right,、mm-hmm. and voice their opinions. I feel like for Americans, even if you don't have anything good to say, you still <laughs> they still want you to say it. Yeah, you know, you still need to be loud and vocal. But、mm-hmm. for me, that's just never been who I am. So sometimes I do feel a little bit out of place because of that.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that your sisters don't feel that way; they feel more American. You said they just feel more American, European, Western, Western <laughs> in general. Do you think it's purely a personality thing? Like it's purely, or do you think there was anything different in their environment? Or because I mean, you grew up together, so it can't be that different, I guess. But. Yeah, but the thing is, we are so different, though. It's so <laughs> weird. Even though we grew up in the same place, I think a lot of it is personality, right? So, for example, my sister, she has a lot of the traits that are like very stereotypical American. She's very like direct. She's always like. Go getter, and she's always like very opinionated and loud, <laughs> extroverted, and things like that. Yeah, so I think a lot of it is personality, but、mm-hmm. I also feel like you know a lot of it might have to do with my anxiety, right?、Mm-hmm. Because of my anxiety, it was really hard for me to like meet people and make friends. So I never really felt like I fit in at school、um, with my peers. So I think because of that, I. Kind of clung to my Asian identity, to my Chinese identity more than、mm. my siblings did. So、mm. I think out of the three of us, I'm the only one who would still like listen to Chinese music、mm. and try to like follow Chinese pop culture and things like that. Because、mm. you feel slightly more connected to it, right? Because when you feel so out of place in a new place, right,、mm. you either really try to assimilate,、mm-hmm. which is I think what my sisters did,、mm-hmm. whereas for me, I think I did the opposite, where I just clung more to my Asian roots.、Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think those are the two roots that people usually choose. Like, com- like you said earlier, like you、mm-hmm. completely block out your whole one side, or you try to hold on to one side really hard. It's like 
finding that balance of not letting it go completely, but also not like not forgetting where you came from too. No. Yeah, I think it's a very hard thing to do, especially when you're an insecure teenager. <laughs> yeah, but I think the nice thing about what you said from your story is that it shows how, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what culture you're from. Every Everybody has their own personality. You could be from a certain country. You could be from a certain culture. You could grow up in a different environment. It doesn't matter. All these things around you. At the end of the day, you are who you are. And so, even though your sisters had the same environment, grew up the same way, they're still very different to you. Exactly. I like to think of culture as just like a framework, right? But、yeah. it affects everyone so differently. Yeah. And I think it's also a reminder that at the end of the day, we're all people, <laughs> and it doesn't matter which box you fit in, what label you are. At the end of the day, we're all people, and we all have our own. Personalities and individuality, and yeah. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm just I'm just summarizing your story. <laughs> so now we're towards the end of the interview, and I always ask my interviewees the same two questions. The first one is, what would be your biggest tip for people who are learning a new language? I think everything else that has already been said, most of it is true, right? So surround yourself with the language. Don't be afraid to speak and meet new people, and that. Who speak that language?、Um, but also for me, I think what really helped when I was trying to learn English was just mimicking people.、Mm, so、okay. I always tell people I learned English through Disney Channel. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, I would just like follow and copy what the characters are saying,、mm-hmm. and I think that really helped.、Mm. But also, this is a little bit of PSA. But everyone has an accent. Americans <laughs> have an American accent. Californians have a Californian accent, and I think a lot of times, you know, people get so insecure and caught up with how they sound and their "quote unquote" accent、mm-hmm. that they don't want to speak. And I think that's what I was doing for the longest time too.、Mm-hmm. That's a, something that I struggle with a lot too.、Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, I think accents are so fascinating. Reveal not only about where you came from, your background, but also your parents, your family, your community, and also your ideologies too.、Mm-hmm. It's just another. Thing in linguistics, <laughs> in sociolinguistics, that we can talk about later. <laughs> I like that a lot. I think、I've, actually, yeah, no one's ever said that before. But I totally agree. It's everyone has an accent, whether、mm-hmm. your accent is considered native or not, doesn't matter. Like some people think the British accent sounds weird. Some people think the American accent sounds weird. Like everyone、exactly. has. Different accents, and there's nothing wrong with any of the accents. Exactly,、so、I like that. That's a really good point, and I hope everyone thinks about that and and focuses less on it and more on just communicating what they want to、yeah, say. Connecting with people—that's、yeah. the whole point of learning a new language, right? And、mm-hmm. that should be the focus, not、yeah. the way you speak, not your accent. And the last thing is, since we are in Taiwan, if you could say something to Taiwanese people in general, what would you like to say? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of progress over the past couple of years, but I think in Asian cultures there's still a little bit of stigma connected、mm-hmm. to mental health, and a lot of times, at least from my experience, people kind of skirt around the topic,、mm-hmm. or they just say it very matter of factly, and they don't really discuss it. So even if someone does have depression, it, it's never like, oh, how can we help them? Like,、mm-hmm. what does that mean for that person? It's always just. It's just always kind of skirted around the topic,、mm. but like I said before, right? There's something very empowering about just talking to people about、mm. this and being vulnerable and opening up. And I think that's something that, yeah, that people in Asian cultures need to do more. I agree. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I guess the only thing we can do is、um, lead by example and try to talk about it more with our Taiwanese friends and, and Asian friends and. 
yeah, hope that they also open up more. Exactly. So. And that's something that I honestly, I struggle with too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I know you didn't know about this. Yeah, I, d- <laughs> I was so shocked when you told me during the right. pre-interview. I was like, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> because I am very open about it. I'm always mm-hmm. open to talking about it. But a lot of times, like, you, how do you bring it up? Right? Yeah. It's, it feels a little bit unnatural, weird. And you don't want to feel like you're ranting to people. I agree. I think that's very true. Well, thank you so much, Vivian, for sharing so many amazing stories and yeah, and talking about all these really, really important. And thank you for sharing so many meaningful stories and insights. And I feel like, yeah, it's just been really nice to talk to you about these topics and hopefully more people talk about them too. So. I hope so too. Thank you for having me. Thank this you for your time. <laughs> Vivian 9岁的时候搬去美国。我问他这么想搬去一个完全新的国家是什么样的感觉？他说语言上还好，是因为他在台湾有上美国学校，所以至少基础沟通没有问题。他说反而比较困难的是文化差异，然后要习惯一个新的环境。例如他说班上的同学，特别是女生，比起亚洲更活泼开朗，很爱聊天讲话，所以一开始他会不太习惯。虽然他们人都很好，很热情，但会不习惯。像有一次他参加合唱团没有多久，就有个女生朋友跟他说“我爱你”，然后他就有点吓到。我问他去到美国最难克服的问题是什么，他说其实是要融入新的环境。Vivian 跟我分享，他小时候有社交焦虑症，所以对他来说要习惯新的环境、交新的朋友，对他来说比一般人还要更困难。现在回想，他觉得很多焦虑都是因为自己没有自信，常常觉得自己是外人。我跟 Vivian 说，他和我分享自己有社交焦虑症，其实我非常惊讶，因为我们从认识到现在，我完全没有感受到他的焦虑，甚至我觉得很难想象他很难交朋友。但我很开心他愿意跟我们分享这件事情，因为我觉得也许有很多人都有社交焦虑症，只是他们不会刻意去提到这件事情。我认为其实是一件很平凡的事情，只是我们不知道。我请他分享他在美国感到焦虑的时候是什么样的感觉。他说，焦虑症其实很容易扭曲一个人如何看待一些事情，例如光是去上课对他来说就是一件很困难的事，所以他有一段时间选择在家自习。我说，听起来他爸妈也很支持他。他说，对他很幸运，爸妈都很善良，看到他上课很痛苦就让他待在家里，没有给他压力。但他说，其实对于焦虑症，其实要有找到一个平衡，适当的小压力可以帮助一个人克服这个焦虑。过度的保护不一定是最好的选择。最后我问他后来是怎么克服这个焦虑症，他说到了高中的时候，他才开始自己去研究和了解为什么自己会有这些感觉和压力。他上网看了很多文章，也看了一些关于社交焦虑症的书，让自己更懂得怎么克服这些情况。我说我觉得这是一个很棒的建议，当你去研究和了解它，给它一个名称，也可以去看其他人怎么克服，都可以帮助你。他说：“对，尤其是多和别人聊这件事情。当你开始跟身边的人分享和讨论你的恐惧或焦虑，你会变得比较勇敢，更有力量去克服它。接下来到了高中 ，Vivian 克服了这个焦虑症之后，他做了一个很有勇气的决定，他申请了去意大利交换的经验。我问他为什么会选意大利，他说其实他原本想去拉丁美洲，因为他学的是西班牙文，但他爸妈觉得那边的治安不好，所以一直鼓励他去意大利。”我请他分享在意大利的生活。他说，当时是在意大利北部的小镇
不是很有名。他说他最喜欢意大利的地方就是每一个角落都非常美，无论走到哪里都会有传统的石头路啊，还有很多很有历史的建筑物，跟他之前在美国待过的地方很不一样。而且欧洲的城市都会有一个市中心。贝贝说他很喜欢去那边走走探索。我问贝贝有没有什么建议给想去意大利玩的听众们，他说很推荐意大利的南部。然后就是好好的去享受那边的美。高中毕业后 ，Vivian 回到美国，在加州读书。我问他加州的大学跟电视上看到的那样一样吗？像我个人的印象，就是大家每天去海边啊，很开朗啊，一切都很疯狂。Vivian 说他觉得自己很不适合回答这个问题，因为他的学校刚好真的就在海边，但大部分不是。我问他加州的生活跟电视上有哪些差别？他说，他觉得电视上的生活其实就是比较放大、比较夸张的版本。像他们的确会有半趴或是活动，但不会像电视那样这么的疯狂。Vivian 三年就读完他的大学，毕业之后他刚好疫情开始变严重，所以他决定搬回台湾。我问他这么久后回来有没有什么不习惯的地方，他说因为以前很常会回来玩。而且在美国住的地方也蛮多台湾人，所以他一直都觉得跟台湾有蛮强的连接。唯一比较需要习惯的就是台湾的工作环境，例如说他觉得工作时间很长，但其实这个工作时间长不代表很有效率，反而会有人在公司看剧啊或是睡觉，只是因为公司文化有一个必须晚离开或是加班的压力。他认为，如果你太早离开，代表你没有那么认真。可是，其实，在国外不是看时间，而是看你完成了多少。如果你很有效率，可以提早完成你的工作，你准时下班，也不会有人说什么，也不会有任何的问题。这个是他觉得在台湾比较不习惯的一点。我说 ，Vivian 住过那么多地方，有没有影响到他的自我意识，或是他如何看待自己的身份？他说他在意大利的时候有感觉到比较困扰，因为当时他回答自己是美国人的时候，他们会说：“可是你不像美国人啊，你真正来自哪里？”或是他们会问说：“你觉得你是台湾人还是美国人？”可是他觉得这些问题都很难回答，因为他两个都是，为什么要二选一？而且他当时为了要让自己比较像大家印象中的美国人的样子，他会假装自己听不懂中文。现在回想，他觉得自己不应该那样，但当时的他不知道怎么面对这个情况。我觉得这是一件很常见的事情。当你两边都不属于的时候，你会选择让自己越来越像其中一边，只为了要融入一个文化，而不要觉得自己是个外人。我说，美国有一个很特别的点是，他们有这个名称 Asian Americans， 就是在形容像 Vivian 这种有亚洲背景但在美国长大的人。自我所知。没有其他地区有这个名称，例如我们不会说 Asian Europeans 等等，只有 Asian Americans， 只有美国才会有。Vivian 说，也是因为这个所谓的标签，让他在回美国的时候比较能接受自己同时是美国人，也是台湾人。我还记得读大学的时候，有一个教授要我们填一个问卷，其中一题是我们的种族，但他只让我选一个，我那时候很困扰，不知道该怎么选。后来我直接不填这个问卷，因为我那时候就觉得，今天要我选白人也不是，今天要我选亚洲血统我也不是，因为我就是两边都是。所以其实这件事情是很多混血或者很多第三文化儿童会遇到的一些状况。接着我问 Vivian， 他觉得自己哪方面像台湾人，哪方面像美国人？
他说他的很多思维很像美国人，可是他的个性和表达方法等等比较像台湾人。但很奇妙的是，他的两个姐姐反而个性比较像美国人。我说，所以有些特质就是个性跟环境或背景没有关系。他说他觉得当你去到一个新的环境时，你有两个选择，一个是融入他们，让自己变得比较像他们。他姐姐就是选择这个，而另外一个选择就是把自己原有的文化拉得更近。在他们家 ，Vivian 是唯一会听台湾的音乐，或是会跟上台湾的流行的人。我觉得这是一个很棒的提醒。无论今天你是什么背景、什么环境，每一个人都是独一无二的，也不需要符合什么条件，也不需要符合任何的标签，做自己就好。到了结尾，我问他有没有什么建议给想学语言的人。他说他学英文的时候，最常做的事情就是模仿。像是看电视的时候啊，而且他想强调一件事情，就是每一个人都有一个腔调。就算你今天是英文母语的人，像有些人会觉得英国人的腔很奇怪，或是爱尔兰的腔很奇怪等等，所以你不需要去在意你的腔或是你的发音，也不要让它影响你的自信，就是勇敢的去表达。毕竟语言的重点就是表达。最后我问他有没有什么想对台湾人说的话。Vivian 说，他希望在台湾的人可以多去了解和讨论心理健康的重要性。虽然现在已经有比较多人去谈，但还是会有很多人不敢去谈论跟面对心理健康的一些话题。例如说，如果遇到忧郁症的人，可以试着去问他们有没有什么我们能协助的，或是他们需要什么，而不是去逃避这种话题。多去讨论，反而会让他变得没有那么恐怖。我觉得这是一个很棒的观察，而且我们能做的就是 lead by example， 以身作则，多去开启这种话题，多分享我们自己遇过的经验和感受。我真的非常谢谢 Vivian 今天愿意跟我们分享这么多他的经验，除了分享意大利加州的生活，也聊了很多关于自我探索还有心理健康的话题，也希望可以带给更多人勇气和力量，去分享自己所遇到的心理焦虑或症状。如果你也喜欢今天的访谈，记得帮我们打五颗星，还有订阅。也可以在 IG 帮我们分享，记得泰国让我看见。Teacher Lydia Languages. I'm really grateful to Vivian for taking the time to talk to us today about growing up in California, her time in Italy, and especially her experience with social anxiety and how her international background affected her sense of identity. I hope this conversation can also inspire more people to talk about mental health and to share their own experiences with others. If you also enjoyed this, it would mean so much to me if you could give us a five-star rating and follow me on social media, at teacherlydia underscore languages. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. 我们下次见喽。